This is the day the Lord has made, and we do rejoice, and we are glad in it. And we are mindful of those this week and every day, really. We, we declare that regardless of circumstances, but we're particularly aware this week um, that it might bring up memories for some that make Thanksgiving time hard or the holidays in general hard. Um, and so as we pray in a moment, we'll just be lifting up those of you, myself, others who last year this time we were celebrating with someone who may not be here or maybe something happened yesterday that makes this season particularly tough. And yet we declare, even in the midst of that, God, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your nearness. As Pastor Donnell mentioned last week, Psalm 30, 73 and 28, the nearness of you, Lord, is our good. And so, God, we pray for each and every one in this space and those not here. And this week, that there would be a nearness of you that we experience such that we're good, we're comforted, and we know that we're loved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalm, and we're going to look at chapter 23 this morning. Psalm chapter 23. Y'all give it up for the worship team, too, if you don't mind. It just, uh, I am so amazed. I'll never forget that worship night we had as you find Psalm 23. That worship night we had at, at Boys and Girls Club, was that last year, y'all? remember? And then at the end of it, we were like, so if you want to serve in the worship team, come on up. And the worship team was formed in many ways that night. And so many have been added thanks to the leadership of Chase Gibson and others on the team, Tyler Chase and the whole crew. But I remember thinking, man, they didn't know each other. Backgrounds were so diverse and God just did that. And he continues to do amazing things in and through them for which we are grateful. Um, Psalm 23, by now you have it. And Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. So open our eyes, please, so we can see all that we need to see here in your law. In Jesus' name. Psalm 23, we'll read verses 1 through 6 in the NIV. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> now, if you ever uh, were to ask me, I'll say, um, if I want to drink after you <laughs> in whatever container, you'll likely hear from me, I'm good. <laughs> I'm very good. Um, if you were to ask my wife if she wanted to play golf, um, you'd likely hear, I'm good. Um, and we hear that phrase in so many contexts and paradigms, it can have a variety of meanings. I go to Shenandoah Joe's to, to, to do some work um, often, and I'll get a, 
almond milk steamer with honey because you got to buy something and I'm not a coffee drinker. So that's what I get. You're welcome for that idea. It's a good one. And, uh, and they'll always say, hey, Paul, you know, do you have enough? You need a little more or less? And I say, I'm good. It's perfect. I'm satisfied. Um, if you step on somebody's foot or offend somebody, and particularly if it's something you do all the time, and you say, hey, man, you all right? A woman, you all right? They might say, I'm good. Meaning, I'm not trying to even be bothered with you right now. <laughs> so it can mean no thank you. It can mean I'm okay. It can mean everything's fine. It can mean I'm really not trying to be bothered with you. Go away. It can mean so many different things. David, though, in this song, in many ways is saying, I'm good. Which isn't necessarily to say that there aren't challenges that we all experience in life, valleys that we walk through that make it difficult to see that we're good in Jesus. And David, certainly, if you read chapter 22, talks to God a little bit about that. Why have you forsaken me? He went through some stuff, and yet he's declaring in Psalm 23, I'm good. Why? Because God is his shepherd. He has confidence. He's secure. He is uh, trusting of who his shepherd is. And we too today can be good when he is our shepherd. The psalm identifies things I think maybe we can perhaps take for granted, right? David's identifying the provision that God has for us. You're my shepherd, I don't want. He identifies the, the protection that we get. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. The favor in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. All of these elements that if we're not careful, we might fail to recognize or recognize them as something maybe we have accomplished. David recognizes them. And there's this rich treasury, if you will, of personal experience here. Um, the psalmist is no doubt aware of where he finds his life's center. The first two words of the first verse of the chapter says, the Lord and in verse 6, it ends with the house of the Lord. There's a very real sense of this worship setting within which then life's circumstances can be illuminated or given better perspective. Now, this is a particularly popular psalm. How many of you could have just recited it without reading from the screen? Yeah, it's a, it's a popular one for those who have been in faith or in church for a long time. And if you're new to faith or maybe new to church, this is a good one along with the rest of Scripture, but a good one to, to try and memorize because it's a good reminder of who is in charge. Lest we think or behave, we may not say it because rhetoric we know sometimes is, we, we, we know not to say certain things, but lest we behave in ways that demonstrate that something else is our shepherd. TV, my job, my, my career, my degrees, my spouse, my kids— if we're honest, we all look to some things for protection and for care, for comfort, for security, things in which we place confidence and likely find disappointment when we do so. But how many of us, some of you knew the scripture, how many of us have actually been, by show of hands, a shepherd? Anybody? Like been a shepherd, yeah. Like, a, like in the agrarian sense. <laughs> Y'all like, I lead, I, um... And maybe some have. I thought I'd do. I'd try that, lest the analogy fall way flat. But I imagine we're not seeing a whole lot of sheep around or shepherds who are, I mean, we see some deer around here, some <laughs> albino deer that shows up on our porch every now and then, and we get out and take pictures of it. Some of y'all have seen bears. I see your Facebook pages. There's another bear. And I'm like, who's excited to take a picture of a bear? But no sheep. No sheep. Nobody here has been a shepherd. No offense. I like the pictures. I'm just glad I wasn't there. 
when y'all saw that bear. But there's something if we are going to recite this psalm, right? And we're going to embrace it because it does still resonate with many of us when we say it. He's my shepherd, God. You are so good. You protect me. You care for me. I embrace that. I memorize it such that it can be written on my heart. But that then means what? <laughs> we, we some sheep. <laughs> we are some sheep. And sheep, the last I checked, were not the brightest. Not the sharpest tool in the shed, Crystal is how you put it. Yeah. They got to be guided. They're easily sort of preyed upon. They, they make really silly decisions. They wander. And so if I'm going to say the Lord is my shepherd and get on the good foot about that, then I got to remember, too, that I am sheep. We are sheep. And when we're sheep, it's acknowledging, God, I don't have what I need I don't have what it takes. I don't have the intellectual capacity. I don't have whatever assets I think I have to really thrive, to live. Almost like I think about our kids and I wonder at times if I were to leave their eating regimen to themselves, (laughs) what would happen? There'd be a lot of, I don't know, what you think? Pirate booty in that mix, goldfish, uh, chocolate chip cookies. And so as parents, we try to say broccoli is just as good. It's very important. You need that along with carrots and hummus. Maybe replace the cookies with that. We try to say, hey, we're going to guide you over this way as well so you can have a healthy lifestyle. But the truth is, not unlike our kids, we, when left to ourselves, would destroy ourselves. We'd eat on some stuff that would kill us if we didn't have God saying, follow this path. The truth is all of us, if left to our own devices, would find ourselves in some trouble. And meanwhile, God is saying to us, as we look to these other things in society, in life, in our sphere of influence, for this confidence, for this trust, he says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He provides through the laying down of his life for a need that can't be provided for in any other way. A great need that whether we realize it or not, you and I both have. That need that we all have is that of the sin problem, which didn't, by the way, occur when you sinned for the first time. Okay, I got a sin problem. I messed up. Rather, it it, it began... With Adam, it's something we inherited. The Bible says in Psalm 51, we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. God, we need you. If you think you're that good, we're not. We inherited something from the Adam. And it took the second Adam. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Apostle Paul talks about Jesus being the second or last Adam. We needed someone sinless, that who, uh, uh, who would, would empty himself of the divinity that he was worthy of having the, the hyperstatic union, if you will, that of God and man residing in one. He decided, Philippians 2 said, to empty himself of that. Why? So he can take on human flesh like you and me, Caleb, know what it is that we deal with and feel, except he did so and did not sin. Thus then becoming what could be the propitiation for our sins. He atoned once and for all the sin that you and I should have atoned for. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. There's a debt to have been paid and he paid it all for you and for me. That's good news. 
nailed them all to the cross. Didn't have to live the life we should have lived, died that death we should have died, rose on the third day, didn't end there in the grave with all power in his hands. That is some good news. He's our savior. <laughs> He's our shepherd. And I pray that we too would get a memo. That's another side note. The, the memo of it's not about us. If he could empty himself in that way, to me, that's saying, how low can I get? <laughs> or am I saying, man, did you see that triple double I scored the other night? Did you see what I did? Did you see the number of degrees I got behind my name? You see all them letters? I look good, don't I? Let me tweet that. Let me Instagram that. Let me antithetical. Jesus, who had every right to say, yes, I am, said, I'm going to get low, empty myself. I hope we get that memo today. Not the main point, but a point every day of our lives that we can take a note on and say, God, how much lower can I get? Because I see in scripture that pride comes before the fall. And when we get low, that's when we can be exalted. And as such, Bible says he was given then a name above every name. He was exalted such that as Crystal, Crystal admonished in her worship today, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. This is good news. And as such, let the church say, amen. amen. I'm laughing because we were talking with our leadership team early this morning, and I said, I don't know if this is going to make it into the sermon today, but I'm going to say it. That amen is, is, is for you. Did you know that? Like, it's not stroking the ego, or at least it shouldn't be, of the preacher on the stage or anybody else who says, can you say amen? It's you saying, God, I agree with what it is you've said. What you've just said, I'm more than a conqueror, it says in Romans 8. I don't feel like it, but amen, I believe it. Because right now, Psalm 23, I'll get to the text. I am walking through a valley of the shadow of death. But you say, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Amen. And so when we hear good news, that is for you saying, I agree. I join my faith with, even if I don't feel it. What's the song? How does the song go? Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even if I don't see it, you're working. So I'm going to, to declare with my amen the truth of your word and my agreement with it because Isaiah 55 and 11 says his word when it goes out won't return void. So I'm just catching up with what he already said is becoming, if you will, what I already am. Amen. amen. <laughs> he provides for this great need of mankind. He's a good shepherd. And so we lack then nothing, nothing. It's in him that we live, we move, and we have our being, Acts 17 talks about. And when we embrace him then as our shepherd, we become a little bit more like Solomon in Ecclesiastes where he says, everything is meaningless. All the toil is meaningless. I don't lack anything. I don't need anything. I just need more of you, God. Lays down his life. And then the text said he leads us, which for me begged the question, how does he lead us? And quite naturally, then I thought through the word of God. What else? The roadmap he's given. He leads us through his word. Some of y'all remember me uh, telling a story, maybe not. I'll tell it for the first time again, of the tree that fell in front of our house. Y'all remember that story? Yeah. And, and the wires went down. We did later find out two cars were total awful. But, but uh, one of them <laughs> said they were one of the new car anyway, so it was good. Oh, <laughs> the other one, not so much. Oh. Um, so that tree was down for a minute. They cut it up. The wires were still down in front of our house such that our youngest daughter did not want to step foot outside of the house. Didn't want to walk anywhere because she said, the wires, daddy, the wires. 
Oh, man, you're right. Why don't they clean up these wires? Like, they're dead, but, you know, I get it. You see wires, we always say don't touch them. So, and even if they're dead, I'm like, still don't touch them because I ain't trusting <laughs> trust that. Somebody come pick up these wires. But she said, the wires, daddy, the wires. And as I kind of said, it's okay, baby, we can walk this way and try to tell her where the path was. It's got to see something because he will communicate to you in whatever ways he has to. And it kind of hit me. It hit me in the moment, in one of the moments of many moments of the wires, the wires. I said, man, God, how many times am I seeing by myself and going? <laughs> Whereas my daughter was trying to teach me something. Daddy, when you go, I'll go. As you go. And I would hold her hand or pick her up and she then would breathe. Everything was okay. Her circumstance hadn't even changed. But daddy was with her. And I could show her which way to go, how you can avoid the pitfalls here and there. There was no more fear because daddy was with her. What, what steps are we taking without, without Jesus? Daddy, we're good when we're with you. I'm good with Jesus. It says he leads us to green pasture where we really need to eat from. He leads us beside the still waters because sheep, as you might or might not know, can't or really don't like to eat where there's like a flowing sort of stream. So he's leading us where we need to go. His word, it tells us how we ought to eat. When we want to run after the money, he says, don't run after the money. Yes, I've given you the ability to create wealth, but the love of it will destroy you Run after me and watch what I'll do in your life. A degree? Come on now, I'm bigger than that. He leads them beside the still waters. But our challenge really is in, will we pick up the word? Will we read the word every day? And if we do read the word, will we listen to what the word says? I think about my Waze app. Y'all ever use Waze when you're going somewhere and you think you're smarter than it? Man, I'm good. I'm just going to go this way. And then all the red that they told you was there was really there. It's like I told you. God is saying, I'm leading you. Follow me. Can't force you. Ways can't force But we can respond well. And there are five ways that the word can become a part of us as we allow him to lead us. Five ways. One is hearing the word of God. Reading the word of God studying the word of God, memorizing the word of God, and meditating on the word of God. And if we are disciples of Christ or wanting to become such, those five ways are the ways that we then can commune with him in a way that makes us disciples. Hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating. And if you want to get fancy, you put an E in here, you put an E in here, and then you put an O in here. Here's mom is the acronym that we use here to help remember that. Here's mom. Here, read, study, memorize, and meditate on the word of God. Why? So that we can and then better relate to a God who is a relational God. And you notice, perhaps in this text, how it moves from the third person on that note uh, to the second person. It starts with the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He refreshes my soul. He, which to me said, it's a good thing to know something about God, about him. But then you get to verse 4, and then it, what does it say? Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil because you are with me. So we, as the body of Christ, get to move from knowing about him. Yes, it's cool that we can recite some things and we can explain the events that occurred at the, the Red Sea with the Israelites. That is all good. But when will we move from information 
to relationship? When will we move from knowing about him to knowing him and relating to him in a way that says, I know your voice. If you go back to John 10 where it says, I'm the good shepherd, it also says in that chapter, my sheep know my voice. And how else are you going to know a voice unless you're hearing it a whole lot, spending time with it a whole lot? This is a great moment, but can I tell you where life happens tomorrow morning? When you get up and you say, oh, man, it's a crazy day. Got to go. Talk to you later, God. What's his voice saying to you? Anytime I talk to some of our leaders here, I say, what's God saying? And it's not to be deep. It's just like, what did you read lately? And what is he saying to you? Because he's saying something all the time. Here, read, study, memorize, meditate on the word of God as elementary as it might seem. It's profound in its orientation and what it can do in in terms of impact in our lives. I was with uh, my parents this weekend. And... uh, they live in Northern Virginia. I was performing a wedding yesterday of a former student, amazing ceremony. And so I got to spend a night at my parents' place. And I uh, woke up uh, early in the morning and was kind of helping dad with some things. And um, one of the, the folks who kind of served them there was doing some things with dad, right? And just kind of trying to help, but doing it in a way that I was like, oh, man. So I'm like, all right, I'm here one night. Like, how do I both be thankful for the help that he's getting, but then also be an advocate for him? Because I like, I know my dad and that's not what he wants at all. So I decided to say, hey, um, he doesn't really like that. (laughs) I know he's not saying anything, but he doesn't like that. She says, oh, no, I do this every day. I said, then he doesn't like you every day. (laughs) And right after I said, Lord, help me. No, that was not good. I want to be grateful, but I also want to advocate, right? Because I know my dad, I know he wouldn't want all that. Just kind of give him space. But you know where that came from? I recognize as many pictures as we put up on the wall and the things that we tell them about. He was in the military, he passed it for 30 years, he chaplain at Rikers Island, da, 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 just to give them a sense of, you know, like just something they knew about him, but they didn't have the 40, 50, however many years. I'm not 50 yet, 40. My siblings, my siblings are, they have a little more time with him than I do. He didn't have to say anything, couldn't. But I know his voice. And I just said, you know what? Deal like that, but I know what would be pleasing to him. How much are we listening to the voice of God? I don't know about you, but I would love to finish his sentences sometimes. Not replacing him, not thinking of myself as God, but when in life, sitting in a meeting or sitting in a class or sitting wherever you're sitting, and you can finish God's sentence. Oh, that's a soft word that's needed right now to turn away that crazy wrath. Oh, there's forgiveness on the other end of this, and there's, ble- oh, I hear you, God. Can't do that with a one 30-minute message a week. Can't do that even with just the victory group. Monday morning in your secret place, God will speak to you and it will change and transform your life. Amen? Amen. We're going to close somewhere. <laughs> like, where am I? Pastor Donnell said this last, uh, last week. We're going to close. Y'all can come on. Um, And this references, I think it connects with the part that says we walk through these trials, we go through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'll feel no evil. God is with me. Pastor Donnell, I thought, illuminated very well. Did y'all enjoy that last week? Amazing. Amazing. I listened to it like three times this week. I said, God, that was for me. Thank you. Um, He said Psalm 73 and 28, right? The nearness of our God is our good, such that when we go through, I'm still good because of Jesus. Another quick story because they're taking their time, so I'm going to take a few more minutes. Um, I'm kidding, but uh, 1992, 1992, I was 12, 13 years old at the time. Dad came home. I'm in my room. I can see where I was sitting on my bed. He looks around and he says, hey, I was sitting there. My brother was there at the time. 
He said, hey, you guys remember so-and-so? I said, yeah. He said, he's gone. What you mean? He said, they killed him. I said, oh, they killed him. Um, a friend, 16 years old, I was just in church with him like three days ago. I was, remember, I was hitting him by accident. And I was like, hey, man, you okay? You good? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Daddy said, he's gone. Dad went to the morgue with the mom to identify his body and, and then came home and told us that our friend was gone tragically. And I remember in that moment, and fast forwarding to now, I didn't have all of this perspective then and still gaining perspective, but just thinking like, how am I going to, how do I wrap my brain around the loss of life of the 16-year-old with so much life ahead of him? And yet I heard God saying, and I'm here with you in the midst of this trial. Fast forward 20 years later, now I think about, my goodness, how did dad deal with that? He had to go to the morgue to identify a teenager of a family that we've known for years. And then had to come home and tell his 12 and 13-year-old son. And then had to do it over and over and over and over again because life, as you know, is crazy, isn't it? Eulogize and all the things. And I'm thinking, Lord, how, how, how does one keep on? Dad can't say much now, but I hear his voice, my biological and my heavenly father's voice. I'm good with Jesus. I'm good with Jesus. Not denying the reality of the discomfort. Another tough reality that, that I won't close on this, God, but, but, but where we are, I think. November 6th, a good friend of ours turned 37, he and his twin sister. November 7th, she finds out the twin that she has cancer. Today, they're having a service for her. I said, what in the world? But then his wife posted something on Facebook, a really long message, but at the end of it said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God, I don't need to know your plans for me to know that your plans aren't to harm me. God, help my faith not to be anchored in this earthly outcome. Help my faith to be in who you are. Y'all pray for us like that. Yeah. And I just, I was taken aback. I said, oh, I'm good. Not denying the reality. The rest of the post talked about how difficult it was, how shocking it was, how painful it was that their twin was gone at 37 suddenly, unexpectedly. So that's there. But in the midst of it, there's a, a sense of no grieving without hope. There's a sense of Jesus being in the boat like he was with the disciples when he said, we're going to the other side. And then the winds and the waves came as they do in our lives. And they said, ah, <laughs> what did I say? We're going to the other side. It might not look like what you think it will look like, but we're going. Joseph, from the pit to the palace, it says God was with him every step of the way. My encouragement here and the good news is that he is with us. And as such, he's a good shepherd. He cares for us. He protects us. He guides us. And I, we, may we all be admonished to be good, to be good with Jesus. Last closing. I said I would never do this. Preachers have like five closings. I'm like, here I am. What in the world? Whatever. Church is an hour. They had third closings at like the third hour, okay? So I'm, we're good. Y'all can hang out. Am I right? <laughs> so I can have seven conclusions. If it's still 40, no. Um, sharing a lot of life this morning, I realize, and it's rooted um, certainly in scripture, but I, I, and a lot of it is certainly because I was with mom and dad, but I, 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 tell a lot of stories with dad that, that pull in the long-term memory, you know, because that, he can kind of get with that. And so I told the story of how this lady that he told me, lady came to their house in Harlem, apartment, 
Grandma, granddad, seven kids, apartment, Harlem. Lady knocks on their door. I want to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> and my granddaddy said something to the effect of, and, and I don't know how many words were exchanged, but at some point he said, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> Just, like, basically saying, I'm good. Go on. <laughs> I mean, you know, my granddad wasn't good in that moment. Nothing wrong with being a battle, you know, whatever the denominational affiliation is at all. But there was something very wrong with that being used as the way to then try to shield what was lacking in terms of relationship. It can be very destructive when it, when it gets in the way of that. And that was the case. But, but the lady, we'll call her Mary, knocked on his door. And not long after, granddad fully surrendered to God. Went on to pastor all seven kids know Jesus Christ. And now, uh, you know, the seven kids' kids are loving Jesus. And I said, Dad, I'm realizing more than ever now, and I'm sure I'll continue to, that, that who I am, where I am, even how I ended up at UVA and all of that had very little to do with me. I made some decisions, did some work, sure. Very little to do with me. Had to do with Mary <laughs> knocking on granddad's door. I said, how about that? How about that? When we make a decision to say, you're my shepherd, to live for him, to be good, to lack nothing, to fear nothing because you know he's in the boat with you. It's not just about you. It's about a whole lot of folks in your sphere of influence and folks you don't even know yet. I never met Mary. Thank God for her knocking on granddaddy's door. David goes on in this text, and we'll close here. And he says, kind of moves from the past, present, if you will, right? Like, Lord, you're my shepherd. I won't don't want you make me lie down in green pastures where I need to eat from you restore my soul but then he gets to surely goodness and mercy will follow me spoken by somebody who and when you look up the word follow it talks about pursuit with an evil intent and David knew a little something about that Saul was trying to kill a brother and here he is declaring goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life I don't care what's running after you today that you see or don't see. Goodness and mercy, can we all declare, is following us all the days of our lives. And as such, the commitment that we're going to pray into in a moment is that he's going to dwell in the house or the presence of the Lord all the days of his life. The psalmist says in Psalms 27 and 4, there's one thing that I desire and that will I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you are and we're praying now. Maybe you're good. That would be the question I'd want you to ask yourself. Are you good? Yeah, the Lord's my shepherd. Are you? And if you are, then the challenge that I would present is who else is good because of your being good? Look in your sphere of influence. Who God allows you to come in contact with. If you're good already, for whom are you a Mary like me? And with eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're not good and you want to accept Jesus into your life today, raise your hand really high. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in you, I'm good. I'm good with Jesus. Help us in the moments where, almost like marriage vows, when we say them, we feel it. <laughs> but then there are moments where we don't feel it, but we still want to live out that vow. Help us when we don't feel it, God, to declare it, because death and life is in the power of the tongue. And help us then to live 
You are our shepherd. No cultural trappings of success could ever get in the way because you are a jealous God and we don't want you jealous of any other God, small g, that might get in the way. Help us today afresh to say you are our shepherd and as such we lack nothing. All we want is more of you. Broaden our perspective to think beyond us and that which you have for us because we're not working for anything for us. We're simply responding to the love you've already demonstrated to us. Help us to broaden our perspective to think, God, because of my being good and because of my declaring that you are my shepherd, who else, God, who's not good, not sitting in these seats right now? Who else on my block, in my workplace? Who else that isn't good needs to see or hear that I am good in Jesus so that they too may make that decision? We thank you in advance and we pray in a week where all of society is celebrating some commiserating thanksgiving that our perspective would be as such. You laid down your life for us, a good shepherd. And regardless of what's going on, we're thankful and we're good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you.